Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 31, Food Fights. Hello, Mom Fashions friends. We were just talking that we can't believe this is episode 31. 31. This came quick, but it's been fun. It has been. Yay. It's been. It ha- is crazy. Happy 31st, Beth. Oh, thanks. And we're going to celebrate today with a little uh, food fights discussion. That sounds fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Foods normally used for celebration, so this makes mm-hmm. complete rational sense, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes. Yes. And food fights seem like a good way to get out some pandemic slash <laughs> yes. school starting aggression. This may be a passionate episode. <laughs> we're we're riled up as we are neck deep in virtual schooling. Yes. So, yeah. To talk about emotional eating today, Beth. <laughs> oh, so this could get really confessional then. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say Aldi keeps running out of their peanut butter cups? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not acceptable. Don't they know that there's a <laughs> pandemic going on and that we are back in school? Like, this is not an acceptable uh, thing, Aldi. Get it together. No, so You're killing me. Sorry that is happening to you. <laughs> I affirm and acknowledge your pain. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you could just write them a letter, that would be fantastic. I'll be on it. Well, on the Fort Worth Moms website, which you can find at fwmoms.com, we just ended our biannual editorial series. Twice a year, we take over our website, our social media handles, everything, and focus on one topic. And uh, this time, it was called Food Fights. So we talked about all things food, duh, but also eating, our relationships with food, our kids' relationships with food, and how that impacts our relationships. So... um, It actually is like kind of a never-ending topic. I feel like we just scratched the surface. I mean, we published 15 articles on 15 different kind of angles. But yeah, it's definitely a delicate but interesting topic. It's so crazy to me how, um, how integral food is in our day-to-day lives. Like you think about, okay, yes, we need food, water, clothes, like it's a basic need, Mm -hmm. but it's relational. Oh yeah. You know, like I think about going to, um, different social events and what's the question you always ask? Like, what are we going to eat? You know, Uh what can I bring to eat? Yeah. And just the way that food is so personal, you know, because nobody wants to talk about things like, weight or um addictions to food yeah just the, like even that. like the emotional and psychological yeah. connections that food yeah. has i mean you have for sure like smelled something and it's memory mm-hmm. inducing or craving inducing or when you go to a place like I mean, even like if you go to your grandmother's house or maybe you go to the state fair or you like you go to a place and you immediately have like a connection 
and a desire to eat yeah. some type of food. Like you yes. can smell it, you want it, you taste it. Like it's ex- what you're supposed to have when you're in this place. So yeah, food is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I love that you brought up the memory thing mm-hmm. because it really is. I can, yeah. I mean, even as you're talking, I can think about you know the roast that my grandmother used to mm-hmm. make and what her house smelled like when she was cooking it, and yeah. you know, and it's why they bake cookies when they're doing an open house for real yeah. estate. You it know, smells like home. It does. smells like comfort. Comfort. Yes. Yes. Okay, so um, we will include a link to all 15 articles that were featured in our Food Fights series. We'll include those in our show notes. And we also had um, a few microblogs that we posted on our social. We'll include links to those. But can you tell me, Beth, were there any topics that stood out to you that you want to chat about? There was one article um, by our friend Heather, and she talked about finding out that she had a food allergy later in life, in her 30s, Mm -hmm. and how that changed her, um, I mean, just social settings, how it changed her every day, how she cooked for her family, how she chose where to eat. I found out about a year ago that I have a gluten intolerance, um, and that rocked my world. Yeah. You know, it changed a lot for me and my family. And so, yeah, that was definitely one of the, the top ones for me. I'm Heather, and I wrote an article called Dealing with New Food Allergies. Here is what I most want you to know. The learning curve to a newly diagnosed allergy may feel steep, but I promise it gets easier and more intuitive with time. It requires retraining your thinking and figuring out tricks along the way. Yeah, I can definitely relate to everything you are saying. And Heather said in that article, we are we are a food allergy family and have been so since we recognized my oldest had a food allergy probably eight years ago. And even as we were talking earlier about how you kind of become more aware of the relationship between food and community and food and celebration, food and milestones, like... All of that came into clear focus once we started living with a food allergy. And then even navigating like what life is like as you have a child going through the school system and how like how much communal food mm-hmm. is a part of that. Like you think it isn't at first blush, but um, yeah, so that has been an interesting journey for us as we have shifted from understanding that like food can simultaneously be your friend and your worst enemy mm-hmm. and then living life as it like it does it impacts you know like here we are at another new school year we are doing virtual for a few weeks, you know, praying to God that we can go to in-person as soon as possible. And so I haven't dived into all this with our teachers yet, but Yesterday, they needed us in in her work packet to fill out a form for her science lab. So they're going to be doing a lot of science experiments in fourth grade that include edible things. And they wanted to know, and they give you like this little tiny paragraph to say if your kid has food allergies. But for us, that is not just she can't have sesame, tree nuts, and mango. That also means 
any of the school supplies, any of the lotions that you use, you might have out in class, you know, the soaps even, do they have almond oil in them? I need to know that because my daughter's allergic to that. Art supply, you know, like for people who have like gluten intolerances, mm-hmm. do you know there are some school supplies that have gluten in them? Like Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in tempura paint. There's eggs. Like who knew, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that really kind of changed my whole perspective about food and made me hyper aware about how much we use like food for important and like just communal stuff for relation building things. Yeah. yeah, it really it didn't occur to me and really still um, makes things a little bit awkward when I go into social settings to have to explain that, oh, I can't eat that. I come from a family, or I don't come from, I'm married into mm-hmm. a family that and is you also, all about food. You also love confrontation. Love um, it. Yeah, you love, love it. To, I live for it. You live to point out any difference <laughs> you might have a reason you mm-hmm. can't hospitably yeah. accept what's been offered. That's obviously a part of who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're deep down. It's your, it's like <laughs> heaven for you, right? Yes, no. I live for it. Oh my gosh, no. Even just the thought of it, I'm like, where can I run? Where can I hide? Um, yeah, so it's made for some uncomfortable situations where, um, you know, being married into a family that loves food and different kinds of food and the cultures behind the food. And, I mean, it is it is their way of relating, and I always fit so seamlessly into that. And now um, it just makes it weird, you know, and trying to not – Trying to not make it weird makes it worse. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that's a hard thing to navigate for myself. So I can't imagine doing it on behalf of your child who there's that added level of, like, if you're sending them to school, that loss of control. Right. And that is scary. It is it's you hard. Know? Um, yeah. And you find out that... And I'm not saying this is true about your family. I just mean in general, and I have bumped into it, that um, people react pretty – well, not every person. That's a generalized statement. There are a few people who react really strongly when you – put them in a situation where they lose choice about their food. Yeah, I think it goes back to food being very personal. Mm-hmm. It's very emotional. It's very personal. Um, and so when we feel like those choices and rights even have been removed from us, yeah, it brings up something primal mm-hmm. in us almost, yeah. you know. There was an article about emotional eating mm-hmm. um, that our friend Laura wrote. I'm trying to decide whether or not I am an emotional eater. Hmm. And I think that I may be on some level. I think it's not, I would, I would describe myself as a stress eater sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, in, in my mind which is a scary place. Like I don't, when I feel uncomfortable feelings, which is what she talks about, whether that's sadness or like, you know, grief, anger, 
I think I probably tend not to eat. I'm an emotional non-eater. But if I am stressed out and like, and I relate immediately stressed out as an Enneagram type one with having too many things to do Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get done, I think of food, like I just will eat then, like as a stress eater, um, in my mind, I think if the, I, I seriously have this correlation that if I can just eat a whole bunch, I'll get a lot of energy and I can get it done. I'm not lying. This is the actual thought process mm-hmm. I have. I know it, it isn't true. But I'm just like, okay. You know, like whenever we were doing that virtual bloom, like I was stress eating through the whole thing. And I tried to eat like like um, air fried okra and stuff like that to be, you know, um, like, quote unquote, healthier or whatever. But but that's kind of how I do. What about you? Are you an emotional eater? Are you a, do you cope with food? You know, I was trying to think about that too. I mean, there's definitely times where I tend to crave sugary things more when I'm stressed, but I don't I think I'm also more keenly aware of like what I'm eating when I'm stressed because I'm like, "Oh, you just want that because you're stressed." And so my emotional eating is less out of negative emotions and more out of positive ones. So like when I'm going to just relax and watch TV with my husband and just we're just going to hang out and enjoy, that's when I want to sit down and like have some junk food, like just, Mm -hmm. you know. And so to me, it's almost like like good, junky, sugary food is more related to like my times of just chilling out. And like yeah. comforting. And so it is comfort food, but I think I'm like you, like when I'm stressed, I kind of lose my appetite rather than want to eat more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also tend toward during times of stress, I tend to zone in on certain foods to where I'll only like peanut butter is one of those foods. It's not a logical one, but in my mind, I could live on peanut butter forever. <laughs> Um, and coffee, obviously, because everybody needs that to live, right? Except for you. I don't like it. <laughs> um, That's and, a whole nother episode. Uh, right. Um, and so I'll like zone in onto these small, like amounts or types of foods, mm-hmm. zone in on them and then go days and be like, I need to eat something else, like a variety of things. So it's like, I don't know. I think it's a control thing. Who knows? Yeah. I could psychoanalyze for no, days. But I'm Laura, and I wrote an article called Eating My Feelings, Breaking the Cycle of Emotional Eating. Here's an excerpt I want to share with you. The more I've learned about myself, the more I see how much that emotional eating has cost me. Not only has it cost me in terms of my physical health, but ultimately, it didn't get rid of the uncomfortable feelings in the long run. What about your kids and food? Mm-hmm. Do you have picky eaters? Do your kids have food issues? Like, what about your girls? Uh, my first two were not super picky. And um, my last one has come out and she has been contrary <laughs> to all of the other things the other two are, which um, is, you know, something I love about her and something that there are days when I'm like, good grief. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she she is my picky child. And I feel like she was born picky. Like 
she just even breastfeeding her, like I had to give up some foods just to keep her from being cranky all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's um, she's very particular and very stubborn. And we have not found a way to, uh, to combat that, really. Um, my other two girls went through seasons of time where they're they're less picky about what they eat and more picky about the meal, like the meal time. And so, and my youngest is like that too, where if we call dinner lunch, she'll eat it and it's not a problem. And she'll even tell, tell us, I don't like dinner, but I like lunch. And my other girls had this same or similar thing where dinner time just became like a war zone every mm-hmm. night. And it was like, nobody, nobody wanted to eat at that time of day. And we could never figure it out. We would try cutting back on snacking during the day. We would try changing up what we fed them. Right. We still have not, we haven't figured that out. But I think from our conversations, I think you and I have different um, kind of ways of approaching uh, mealtimes. Because you've said before that like with your girls, you're not going to make them eat anything specific or eat everything that's given. You don't make separate meals, right? I do not. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to force them to eat what's on their plate. Like if you're, they I don't. Do. Again, I do not. Yeah. So like, um, and for us, I've always been of the mentality, like you have to eat your dinner before you can have dessert. Um, that kind of thing. Cause I want them to eat something substantial because my girls would just dessert all day every day Mm -hmm. as many of us would that's just a battle that we've chosen to fight but I don't think we're winning necessarily you know but we do the whole like you have to eat a certain number of bites or you have to try something before you can just write it off as you don't like it yeah we I don't necessarily make it a rule and I let my kids have sweets even if they didn't eat their dinner Mm -hmm. yeah but we don't have sweets every day yeah they don't have a dessert every day but Sometimes we have dessert before dinner. We yeah. just do. Yeah. yeah. On Wednesday's ice cream truck. I have tried really hard. And I don't know why. I have no idea why I did this, but not to give like food moral values mm-hmm. and we don't get too upset if nobody eats anything. Mm-hmm. But I also don't get real upset if you're hungry later either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I I don't really get too upset about that. And yeah. we kind of have a phrase, all right, well, I'll see you at breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't yeah. eat your stuff, big deal. Yeah. And I still make things I know the kids don't like mm-hmm. on purpose. We like it. It's, it, you know, showing them different foods. It's helping them figure out how to feed themselves, it, you know, like to how you can eat some things just to give your body nourishment. Yeah. And mealtime is not a big deal for us. It's not a big deal for us. Okay. So I have a a hypothetical for you. Okay. Give it to me. Because this is a constant battle at my house. So it's not really that hypothetical. Not hypothetical at all. (laughs) I have a real life example that I would like you to speak your knowledge into. That's what I'm saying. I don't really know if I can help. But I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Some friend. He's named Beth. We don't know her. (laughs) So, okay. So I... I have my own weird rules, probably also from anxiety, but um, I think a lot of people do. It, yeah, yeah. It is a, like it's it is not that in you that it's like this is just how food should be. And so right. for me, like let's say we're gonna have a protein. So let's say we're gonna have chicken, 
I, w- I expect to have two sides. Like we're going to have two sides. We're going to have chicken. We're going to have a vegetable and then maybe another vegetable or a starch or something. So I always have that, right? Okay. But in my house, my kids will, and we do family style. Like we make plates for the kids, but then we put the food on the table and we, you mm-hmm. know, have it all there. Okay. So my kids, if I were to not have any, if I were to say, okay, we're just going to sit down and eat. I'm not going to have any expectations on how much you eat or what you eat or whatever. They would eat, let's say we had rolls, vegetable, chicken. They would eat all the rolls and never touch the other two. So how would you handle that? Like, what would you do? Do you, and you know that your kids like the other things you served? They like them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I still would let them just eat the rolls. Okay. I really And it's would. working for you. Like it's working at your house. They wouldn't, like if in a week you had similar meals all week, would they eat the rolls all week or have you found that they, they'll like branch out and eat the other stuff on their own? They'll eat the other stuff on their own. Okay. And they have to Because experiment. the entire issue, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it's just my who knows nothing opinion <laughs> is that it has nothing to do with what they like to eat and what they don't. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with who's in control. Interesting. And if you just diffuse that this isn't an issue about control because food, it, I don't want my girls to think that food and control are friends mm-hmm. because it makes problems, right? Yeah. You know, this is what I would do. Oh, my gosh. Brian, this is the best chicken <laughs> we've ever made. Where did you, where do we get this chicken from? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, we did get that from Kroger. This is like, I mean, I don't know what's different about this chicken this time, but mm-hmm. wow, this is some really good chicken. You know, like yeah. I would just be making conversation with Brian. I'm not even talking to the kids. You know, and if you don't get any, you don't get any. I'm not going to cry about it. Like, we love food. We enjoy food. When I taste this food, these Russell sprouts, it brings me joy. It's nourishing my body. You know, that's it. Yeah. And way more enjoyable. And I have found that. And also, I'm kind of like, you know, I try to remember that they're people. And there may be, there are days. Beth, when I don't want to eat the chicken mm-hmm. and I really just want the rolls and what the green beans. Yeah. And if I had if my mom made force me to eat the chicken, I'd hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. like yeah. I just, you know, sometimes you just like need that. And mm-hmm. one of the best pieces of advice I heard from a pediatrician is that you need to keep like the log of what your kids have eaten over like a seven day period. If they only eat their blueberries for lunch, big deal. Because on Wednesday for dinner, they're going to eat all their chicken. Yeah. And that counts. It's not like you have to get a fruit, a vegetable, a grain, a dairy, and a protein in at every meal, which is what we were taught in school, right? You got to make that plate fit, you know. Um, But it can be like you can load up on fruits one day. You can load up on protein another day. You can load up on carbs. They may need the carbs for the energy, you know. And for us, it's just like modeling it. I will ask them, you know, like, oh, take a couple bites of that for me. But it's never eat two bites of this before you can get up. Eat two bites before you can have another bite of bread. Mm -hmm. Or you can't have a treat unless you, you know, I mean. Yeah. 
Like, I'm sure there is some of that, like, you know, somewhere if they just think all of a sudden, I mean, they don't have free reign in the treat box. We have certain times a day that we eat and that's it. You, yeah. I also don't have a free range kitchen. Yeah. Like you actually can't come get food in my kitchen mm-hmm. any time of the day. We have set times to eat for snacks and food. Yeah. But that's just a natural part of the way we've always done it. So it doesn't feel restrictive to my girls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that's that us. Sounds fantastic. And if you if we had a third mom in here, she'd do it a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ours is just not working. So I'm like, it's maybe time to change a few things, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm tired of fighting about well, food Yeah, and with my kids. And on a side note, you're kind of having to fight about a lot of things right now. That's true. There's a lot of things that are big stressors mm-hmm. and different and hard in your home. Taking that off the dinner table mm-hmm. might be an okay thing to do to yeah. diffuse that a little bit. Yeah. What and else do we have from our... Well, the other topics that we talk about in the Food Fight series, we have a really interesting piece uh, by a mom who decided to go vegan, and she explains why. We have some tips from a local dentist about how food impacts oral health. Mm. Um, We have a really good one called Soul Food Sunday. Which, oh yes, that was one of yes, my favorites. Talking about her grandmother mm-hmm. and the and, and that's the whole like memories and that affection she has for her grandmother. She feels the care that her grandmother has for her through the food and the yeah. tradition and the time they spent together. It's and really she gives recipes. Yes, there are recipes. I was like, hallelujah. Yes. That is fantastic. I'll eat all of it. Because there is something about somebody living on through their recipes, Mm -hmm. you know? And so to get a recipe from somebody's grandmother is so sweet. Right. Yes, absolutely. I'm Adrienne, and I wrote an article called Soul Food Sunday, Granny's Recipes. Not only do I share my favorite foods from Granny's Kitchen, but I also share about my heritage. I write, soul food can be traced back before slavery to African and European cuisines adapted to the U.S. Southern region. Slaves were usually given the unwanted or limited rations from their planters or masters. From these slim pickings, African-American slaves created some of our world's greatest culinary cuisine to nourish our souls. And yeah, food, allergies. uh, We talk about someone who kind of did a Whole30 while they were pregnant in her experience. Whole30 got me pregnant? I'm just going to put that out there. I'm Chelsea, and I wrote an article called I Did Whole30 at Eight Months Pregnant. Here's what happened. In it, I divulge how I felt and my results. I wrote, so while our culture tends to glorify pregnancy as a time to eat whatever you want since you're eating for two, I approached my pregnancies with a different mindset. I knew that healthy food choices would lead to a healthier pregnancy. And since I was already not drinking alcohol and also had identified processed sugar as the culprit of my nausea, I knew I was halfway to the Whole30 requirements. When a close friend of mine suggested doing Whole30, I hopped on board. And we also have a, an article that I identified with 100% from a writer who said why she is never going to diet again. And you know I love the whole intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my whole jam. And so I was saying amen to that one. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and I wrote A Case Not to Diet. In this article, I talk about how 
Diets are not all bad per se, and they obviously help tons of people lose weight and grow into a more healthy lifestyle. But for some people like me, dieting wreaked havoc on my mental state when it came to how I viewed myself, my body, and food. We talk about picky eaters. Um, We even talk about swallow issues and kids that have food aversions Mm. and food sensitivities. So, yeah, it's a lot of topics that cover the gamut. And there was one that stood out to me. It was about helping um, maybe your elderly parents or grandparents who are dealing with a diet change because of maybe health issues or things that have come up. That one. Yeah, because we're a sandwich generation for sure. Mm -hmm. Like we were older when we had our kids, which means our parents are older or other family members you have that might be aging. And then from that standpoint, how do you handle those food fights when your aging family members need diet modifications? Yeah. Yeah. And, And a lot of that article, you know, talked about like modifications in the way for like needing like for choking or swallowing Mm -hmm. or recovery from Mm -hmm. stroke and that type of thing. But diet modifications, too, for, like, late-set diabetes. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, blood pressure, congestive heart failure, all of that requires diet modification. And, like, you thought that was difficult to do with your mutiny at the dinner table. Like, it's difficult to do when you're older. Like, yeah, yeah. That is hard. So and that's to a, have compassion yes. and to remember how personal it is. Right. And honestly, the very best thing for me when I found out about the gluten intolerance was I called my husband to tell him about the test results. And part of me was relieved to have an answer, but the other part of me was just stepping into the grief of all of the lovely foods I was losing in my life. His response was, how can I help you? navigate this? How can I help Mm -hmm. you navigate this? And he has been wonderful in coming alongside me, especially since food was really such a, like such a special part of our relationship and Mm -hmm. part of our relationship with his family. And so he does things like call it, he calls ahead to restaurants that we're going to go to, or he pulls up the menu and says, you know, I've researched it. Here are the things that you can get. Here are the things that sound good, you know, because he's really a foodie. And so to have somebody come alongside of me and like really be on my side with compassion and understanding, um, that has made like a difficult diet transition uh, really much easier to navigate. So I would imagine if you're in that situation um, with, you know, an aging parent or grandparent having compassion yeah. towards them and coming alongside them in these radical changes yeah. that, you know, are every day, you know, may feel like they're oppressive. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. Head on over to um, Mom Vision's podcast at fwmoms.com and you can see and read all 15 articles for yourself. We would love to know what you think about them. I'm Janie and I wrote an article called Homemade Baby Food for the Frugal Mom. In it, I recounted the moment it all clicked for me. I put the jar of food back on the shelf, turned to my son, and openly shared my truth. I've never been much of a cook, but if he was willing to be my sous chef, I was willing to learn how to make our own baby food. 
as always, visit fwmoms.com. To see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.